Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best iron fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Surley and I'm here with my partner Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you a conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, especially St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. They certainly do. Daiwa Reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. You can always listen to our show there. We Fish ASA is produced by Brad Nearman. He's our executive producer. He's down in Land Lakes, Florida. Hello, Brad. Hope all is going well. On today's show, we welcome Mr. Dan Johnston from St. Croix. He's going to talk crappie fishing. He just went down to the big crappie expo, and he's got a lot to talk about in the world of crappie. Dave Kranz is going to visit with Keith Combs. He just won a big event, a, a Bassmaster Open event. That qualified him to fish in the Classic next year. That's a Cinderella story if there ever was one. Keith Combs going to the Classic. And I'm visiting with a world champion. This guy's on the USA Bass team that just won the Black Bass World Championship down at Lake Murray in Columbia, South Carolina. He is the one and only James Worldwide Watson. He'll be with us shortly, but first... Let me swing it over to Dave Kranz. He's going to tuck some crappie with Dan Johnston. Take it away, David. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back, Dan Johnston. Hey, Dave. How's it going? You're up, where are you, in Iowa today? Yeah, I was just down at the big crappie show down in Branson, Missouri, and I got back uh, Sunday. Yeah, and, and uh, what a great event that is. Uh, we had Wally Marshall on a, a few episodes ago, and we talked about what was going on there. And, uh, boy, crappie fishing has uh, changed over the, I would say, even, I was going to say the last decade, but it's even been shorter time than that, isn't it? As much as any species. Uh, these boats they are loading now are loaded more than bass boats. Uh, with forward-facing and spider-rigging contraptions, and they got all the electronics. They're really good with them. Um, they've really adapted to the times. Um, it's a, such a plentiful fish that uh, the, the guys are just incredibly successful doing it. This this crappie expo I just got back from down in Branson, there was a big tournament. There was $300,000 of purse money. The winners won $100,000 crappie tournament. Yep. Uh, you know, so it, it's pretty, pretty impressive to see what the uh, the market's done on the crappie side. And it, well, I mean, we could take this any way you want to take it because there's been advancements in baits, lines, certainly electronics, trolling motors have, have really fit right in to what they're doing. So it's it's been really neat to see. Yeah, and did you ever think you'd see an expo like that for crappies? I'm sorry. Did you ever think you'd see an expo that big for just for crappies? We got it on the bass side, but the 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 crappie world has an expo with vendors and everybody there for crappie fishing. I didn't see it to this level. I never thought the crappie anglers would be fishing for three hundred grand in one tournament. I never, I personally never saw that coming. But 
what's neat is there's just a bunch of anglers that show up to things like this and a lot of your not all but a lot of your crappie anglers are also multi-species anglers and it was really fun to talk to them uh sure they want to get a lot better at crappie but they fish for other things too white bass and walleye and certainly largemouth catfish and i could go on and on and but they're boy they're really passionate anglers it, it was a blast to and they're really dialed <laughs> i mean they they know what they want and, and if they don't they certainly know how they want to do it and we can lead them into the what you know and what the rod and the line and all that but it's really fun to work with that crowd. It wasn't like a bunch of, uh, you know, we saw our novice anglers for sure, but we also saw a lot of anglers that are just, they're as dialed in on crappie as the bass guys are on bass. Absolutely. So we started off with somebody's new techniques prior to the forward-facing sonar. They started spider rigging. Talk a little bit about some of these techniques like spider rigging that they, they started without forward-facing sonar, and then how the forward-facing changed even that. Well, it's a great question. You know, spider rigging covers obviously a lot of water. You got multiple rods down and basically you're running, running around with your trolling motor. And, you know, in the, in the past they were using, uh, certainly 2d, but also, uh, you know, 360 and side imaging and things like that obviously became lethal because you can see what's to the side of you in some cases out in front of you from a static scenario. And they would just troll over these spots and catch them. But forward facing completely changed that because now what they're doing, they're literally finding the biggest fish in the school and hunting it down uh, with uh, forward facing and they can follow it around and they're using super long rods and they're really good at it and they stay off them just enough where eventually that fish is going to bite. And uh, there's certain people that have that really figured out because as we know, forward facing is like live TV. I mean, it's what's going on right now or side imaging still is an element of history. I mean, you get it, but then it's past you. Uh, you know where it's at to throw at it, but this thing, you can actually see them swimming around and which way they're swimming and whether they're going up to get it. It's just absolutely amazing. So you can imagine with a technology like that, everything else kind of follows it on all the different techniques. Yeah, absolutely. Now, since they can pick out the bigger uh, crappies, uh, are they using bigger baits? Not necessarily at all. And that's what was interesting. I actually asked that question because I'm looking for some different hair jigs that the, the anglers are using that are really effective. And they're not necessarily big baits at all. It's, it's really a lot of where you put it, the fish that you put it on. And, and then it's all the old things we've always talked about, you know, getting above them. The guys talk about that a lot. Uh, because they're going to come up and ascend and eat it. But it's not necessarily biggest fish in the school, biggest bait. It's you're trying to put your bait right on that biggest fish. Okay, interesting. How about lines? What Did you get to talk to any of them about what type of lines they use? Yeah, I did a did seminar on dock shooting because that show was only an hour south of Lake of the Ozarks, which yeah. is just wheelhouse for it. And so line for that... You know, I'm recommending a real light mono that's high-vis. Mono because it doesn't sink, high-vis because I can see it. And I don't go with anything real expensive either. There's two or three different brands out there that are, you know, 8 bucks for 2,300 yards. And it works great. And then on the spider rigging side, the casting side, the straight down side, they're using, they're all over the place. There's a lot of fluorocarbon. There's a lot of braid, light, light, light braid, uh, fused like Nanofill, um, lines like that. But they're really all over the place. One thing I did notice, though, the farther south you go, the heavier line they're using. I mean, some of those anglers are using 10 to 12 pound line with up to eight ounce jigs, which is really big for up your run from. Yeah, yeah, that seems like it would be excessive but uh are they doing that because they get snagged in limbs or or brush piles or did they get any answers on that or why they're doing that 
Yeah, it's exactly what it is. It's a little bit dirtier water in some cases. It's a uh, big, big fish and also in cover a lot of timber mostly. Yeah. Um, so they're really matching the tool to the trade. Where Up here where I'm from, mo- generally speaking, it's a little clearer. You got to finesse them and we're pitching to them. And we do a lot of straight down drop too, but certainly not with 12-pound line. Yeah. I, I think some of these trends and crappie have come about uh, simply because it seems like there's more crappies around now than ever, even small ponds, different lakes, different rivers. Uh, the last few years, for whatever reason, probably the last five years, the crappies seem to have some really good spawns, and, and they're, they're showing up everywhere, and not just, you know, 8 to 10-inch crappies, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15s. Well, they're very cyclical, you know, and uh, they're going to replenish according to most biologists, uh, at a rate that will exceed what anglers could do. And I've heard that from a lot of people. I've heard that from biologists themselves. They're a very plentiful fish. And then kudos to the anglers for using all the latest technologies to, in their favor to figure out ways to catch them. Um, but it's really, it's really fascinating talking to some of these folks that are really good at it, how how spooky they can get you know you can you can watch them on forward facing if you hit your trolling motor they'll scatter or i was talking to a guy this was fascinating the other day at the show he could catch the big black crappies cast into him this was on table rock lake early and then as soon as the sun got up high enough he'd have to stay further off them because if he got too close the crappies would move to the shade of his boat but they wouldn't bite <laughs> which was amazing that is uh, you know so they, they yeah they are they are a really cool target and the technology is such now that we can really be creative, and boy, I, I give them a lot of credit. They're very, very creative anglers, and they're using it to every to every advantage. Yeah, a couple times I talked to people who had stocked ponds, and um, biologists would come out and check their fisheries. Uh, biologists would come back, and, and they tell some of these people, take every one you catch, take them out. You're going to have too many because you don't need that many to spawn in a three- or four- or five-acre pond. Yeah, I think one the one one of the biggest messages we can always put out on this podcast is to be ethical and follow the laws and the rules and you know you know don't don't you know load the freezers up and do all these things in in my opinion. But that said, I think crappie is one target that we can certainly target for table fare. There's a lot of them. Just follow the limits, be responsible, but certainly throw a bunch of them in the in the live well and take them home because boy, they wonderful to eat. Oh yeah, absolutely. They they're they're good, and uh, and you're doing the uh, the pond a favor because the other thing is is if you're also you have bass in your pond, those crappies directly compete with the bass. Well, they do, and I, you know, pond management's a whole other topic. I have a couple folks we could have on this podcast that do that for a living. It's mm-hmm. fascinating to watch what they do and grow their bass huge because of specifically managing not only the food source but the. Uh, the other competing fish that are in the pond. But, you know, on the crappie side, again, it's just one of those, and, and they're everywhere, Dave. You, you really can't go anywhere in the country and not find, obviously there's certain parts of the country better than others, um, but they're, they're everywhere. They're, and there's so many different ways to catch them. So I would just encourage people to try it. I have had so many bass fishermen get hooked on this dock shooting thing because it's so much fun. They've never crappie fished before, and now they all call me up and say, what shooting rod are you getting? I want three of them, you know, and (laughs) it's just, it's another thing. Plus, it makes you better. We've talked about that before, too. Everything you fish for makes you better when you go fish for the species you're really trying to target. 
yeah, little little tweaks that you do in one technique, all of a sudden it's, it, it applies to a, a walleye technique or a bass technique or, or other panfish technique, and you're like, wow, did, did this open my eyes and I can, uh, I can catch more fish, and isn't that the goal for all of us? Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, there's a lot of, I learned a lot about jerkbait fishing when I target crappies with them. Um, and it's translated right over to the bass side. And that's just one example. Uh, downsizing baits, speed of retrieve, rate of fall, color and certain water clarities, all those things are really to a large degree multi-species, matching the forage in the lake, you know, they're multi-species techniques. So if we get if we try to get good at catching a lot of different things, again, it really helps us for what we're actually trying to target most of the time, like if we're a bass fisherman for the most part. Absolutely, and always good information from a Dan Johnston. And uh, appreciate talking to you, my friend, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Hey, Dave, thanks so much. Uh, no problem. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn-out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. I always like to say that every guest I get to interview on this segment has a passion for the outdoors. My next guest certainly does. He is Keith Combs. Welcome to the show, Keith. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I am doing good, but not as good as you. You just came off the uh, 2022 Bassmaster uh, St. Croix Central Open win at Sam Rayburn. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. It was a really good week for me here at Rayburn, and, uh, you know, the fishing was tough. Uh, it wasn't fishing like the typical Rayburn does, but... Uh, you know, I call it just enough to get it, get it done, and uh, which gets me into the classic. And uh, man, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I saw that 46 pounds, five ounces for the win. Uh, a lot of times there, that doesn't even get you in the top ten, does it? No, no. Even in the fall, you know, sometimes the fall can get kind of funky, but usually you would expect it to take 17 or 18 a day. You know, and this year it just. 
Man, it's we've had a prolonged summer, and we have uh, a lake that's about six foot low, and it's fishing tough. Yeah, it seemed like it. Now you you were never uh, uh, in the lead in this. You you had decent bags every day. Was it a surprise to you on day three that you won? Honestly, yes. I, I thought I needed to catch twenty pounds to um, to have a chance to win, and uh, you know I I, I caught. A decent bag of you know around 16 pounds i caught around 16 pounds pretty quick that morning and i thought well this gives me all day to fish for one big bite and i did that and i never got it and i just felt like i was going to come in a little short and uh, uh especially since uh logan latuso he, he'd weighed in at 31 pounds on the second day i thought he's got a seven pound lead that you know there's no way he's not going to go out there and catch 10 or 11 pounds yeah uh, and he had a tough day too. He only caught four fish, and um, and and so he so he fell a little bit short, and it worked out for me. Yeah, yeah, it did. I mean, it, and I think uh, different times of the year across the country, I mean, everybody thinks, oh, every tournament is at the right time, uh, either uh, uh, pre-spawn or spawn, and every, you know, these tournaments uh, are being won when the fishing is the best, but that's not always the case. Yeah, it, it, it is. I mean, you know, it, when we get into this, September and October, really October phase around most lakes in Texas, uh, it gets pretty tough. And, you know, the uh, the thing that has changed over the last few years, specifically with the Opens, is it's a huge field. I mean, it's a it's an unlimited practice. It's a 200-boat uh, field. And by the time the tournament rolls around, the lake is pressured very hard. And, uh, you know, you, you couple a lot of pressure with uh, – fall fishing and conditions are tough yeah absolutely but you got it done and that's good and uh that uh is going to get you to i believe it's going to be your ninth time you'll get the fish the classic correct it is um you know i've made it eight times to the elite series and uh, fell a little bit short this year so it was a relief to uh to get it done and get back to the big show yeah what do you think about knoxville it's a tough fishery. I've been there for several uh, FLWs and for one elite, and uh, it was. It's always a grinder. Um, I think the big wild card there could be the weather. You know, Knoxville in March, uh, where it could be a could be a blizzard or it could be nice. Uh, who knows? But uh, I, I look forward to it no matter what. It's uh, it's the classic. Absolutely, and you can fish for both brown or green ones there. Correct. Yeah, you, you can, um, you know, and I, and I think under the right conditions, those smallmouth could definitely play. Seem like they have just about every time that I've I've fished that place, uh, smallmouth come into uh, come into a factor. And the last time we had the Elite Series there, Jeff Gustafson won, and I think he weighed all smallmouth or mostly smallmouth. Um, there's just some good quality four and five pounders in that lake, and I, I expect smallmouth to play. Yeah, yeah, nothing wrong with that. Um, how about, uh, is your schedule laid out for next year? Do you guys know where you're going already? Yeah, we have a good schedule. Um, we uh, we got it about a month ago, and uh, we're going to some really good lakes. It, 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 what seems like good times, it sets up really good. Uh, got a couple, uh, couple of places we haven't been to in a while, like Lay Lake, uh, but... Uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting schedule. We got some good smallmouth events in there too for next year, as, as well as some events that should be largemouth slugfest like Santee Cooper, uh, Okeechobee. Um, so we're gonna have a good time. 
Yeah, yeah, and you had mentioned it, but I think at every level of whether it's BASS or Major League Fishing, the Opens or the uh, uh, Toyota Series, whatever they're doing, these events are getting numbers between, you know, 200 or 190 and 300 boats. It's pretty crazy how many people are, are coming back to, after the couple of COVID years, are coming back and even more so into tournament fishing. Yeah, uh, they they have, and it's uh, it's grown. Um, you know, I had I fished the opens occasionally. Uh, this year, I fished all of the centrals, and uh, they were averaging around you know two hundred and twenty to two hundred boat fields, and uh, that's that's just I tell you what, it it, it makes you uh, makes you really do your, have to do your homework if you want to be a a player in one of those things, just because. Anything that, that looks like it should have a fish, it's going to get fished a, a bunch during practice. So you have to kind of get off the beaten path and do things that uh, normally wouldn't win uh, or wouldn't play or that, or that would be very difficult to do. That's how you got to approach an open nowadays. Yeah. Do you think that's one of the reasons why sometimes the uh, the locals don't win because they don't find that something different that they've always fished? Or they, they're going to go to their, their previous history and, and you really do have to find uh, what's going to work the next three days, not what's worked in past years or even the past week. I always think the best day of practice is the day before the tournament starts. Yeah, I, I do think, it. you know, this, this tournament, you know, I, I live close to Rayburn, but I don't get to fish it enough to consider myself like a, a, a true local, like the guys that fish this lake every weekend. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that the places that I caught them this week are places that I've never fished before, uh, except one place. I pulled up on one place and caught one big fish. It's kind of a historical place to me. But other than that, it was uh, off-the-wall places, things that I just found this week uh, that were overlooked. And that, that is, that's because of the pressure. I mean, the places that look good on your map um, and the places that have been historically good, they, they receive a lot of attention, and they just shut down before the tournament starts. And you said six feet low. That's that's a big difference, and that, that changes things too. Oh, my gosh. It changed uh, Rayburn dramatically. I mean, the um, one of the things that it – that I noticed is is the watercolor. Like in certain areas that are usually a big player this time of year, well, six foot lower, um, those areas were dingier. You know, more what would normally be mid lake, um, it's kind of like that's the upper end now. Yeah. Because six foot low, you know how you get into the upper end of Rayburn and it gets really really dingy up there, and you're almost river fishing. Well, that's kind of how the the mid lake section of that place is right now so it's uh, it, it changed everything you know so the fish were relating to different spots and it was a totally different year yeah absolutely let's uh, uh, let's do this right now who keeps you on the water who's your sponsors um, my sponsors uh, gosh uh, Shimano is, is a big one uh, Hummingbird Minn Kota uh, Lake Master Ranger Boats Yamaha uh, BLV Tackle Addict um, KV Power, there's Seaguar, Strike King. There's probably a few more I didn't mention, but sure, yeah, good, good, good lineup, and uh, and uh, everybody that fishes at your level needs that and needs the help. But you do a good job for them, which you'll be, uh, uh, you know, representing them in Knoxville and the, and the whole season uh, uh, next year. And 
hopefully it'll it'll be a little bit easier for you to make it to the next classic so you don't have to uh, have this uh, feeling that I'm not going to get there. And, and and with the way it played out, you, you thoroughly probably thought you weren't going to be there. I did. I mean, we took it down to the last, uh, that's my last tournament day of the year. Um, and, uh, that, that was, that was it. My only chance to, uh, to make it in and coming into the way. And I, like I said, I thought I needed a 20 pound bag and I had 16 and I thought I was going to fall short. So can't cut it much closer than that. No, absolutely not. You probably get asked this all the time at tournaments and at shows and doing off, off, uh, season uh you know uh, tackle shows and that kind of thing by the high school and collegiate anglers uh what's the number one thing they need to do to become a, a pro man i think it's you, you you better spend as much time on the water as you can keeping up with technology and just staying on the cutting edge of everything from uh, new trends and baits to technology um and just you know, just immerse yourself in the industry. Um, that's a big part of it. Meeting the right people uh, is what helps you get sponsors and uh, just represent those sponsors well. No, good answer. I, I think that is, uh, you know, having a passion for, for just fishing is one thing, but having a passion for the people that you represent that will help you and can help you is, is probably more important. I, I've been impressed with the college students and high school students that I've seen, how they handle themselves on stage and representing uh, companies at the level that they are. And I, I think we're in good hands going forward. And I also think that there's some up-and-comers that are going to be tough to compete against because... Uh, every year, these these young kids get better and better, don't they? Yeah, I I think it's um, your learning curve um, has been greatly decreased. I mean, especially when we have coverage like we do, even in the opens. I mean, they have live coverage now, so mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's it's so much uh, easier to go back and and look and say, well, here's a typical trend on this lake. Uh, just because you can view that stuff on live coverage, you know, and that's something that, uh, uh, that's something that we didn't have, uh, you know, when, when a lot of us were, were coming into the sport, it's just kind of, we were reading the magazines and things like that, <laughs> yep. uh, trying to find out what was going to be going on. But now you can go back and look at seven or eight hours of live coverage and, uh, Hey, that's that's a big bonus. There you go. There you go. Well, uh, appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us, and uh, congratulations on your win, and congratulations on making it to the Classic, and I'm uh, looking forward to the next time we get to talk to you, Keith. Well, I appreciate the call, and, and thank you very much. Oh, no problem. That was Keith Combs. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta, we're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit 
and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner Dave Kranz is remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. And you know, if you're an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting asafishing.org. Exciting news, man! This one is fresh off the presses. Well, we're we're not we're not in the print business, so I don't know what you say for a fresh podcast. But this is it. This guy is a world champion, a gold medal winner. The USA Bass team is down. We just finished the tournament, the World Championship tournament down at Lake Murray, Columbia, South Carolina, and one of the members of the team that kicked butt and took names, is the one and only champion from Major League Fishing. He is Mr. James Watson. Congratulations, James. How you doing? Hey, thank you, Stephen. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Glad, glad, to, glad to have you. Definitely glad to have you. Uh, you have won. You've competed in a number of uh, uh, circuits, a lot of tournaments. You've won the big ones. You know, you, you, you've uh, you've cashed six-figure checks in the past. Um, financially, this does not compare, but prestige-wise, I'm going to guess this is about the biggest thing that's ever happened to you. Well, it's a, definitely a, a huge accomplishment for, for team and, and the representation of you know of our country and the bass fishing world and the sport of bass fishing. It's a huge deal to me. Oh, I can't can't even imagine. Can't not cannot even imagine. And there, there's a lot of good anglers fishing under the banner of USA Bass, but we had three teams of two that competed in the tournament. Correct? That's correct, and we've got more active anglers ready to fill in individually or fill in as a team. How did, when did you find out you were one of the three teams that were actually going to be on the water for this? Well, I've been on the team since 2017. Uh, I've been a member of the USA, uh, USA Bass since 2017. We went to uh, the Vol River in South Africa, competed against, I think, 16 nations at that time. And we come home with a silver medal getting beat slightly beat out of the gold by the South African team themselves. 
and then in 2008, it, the World Championship Black Bass Fishing was hosted in China, Mexico, and we come home with a gold medal there, and COVID shut it down. I was unable to attend in, in 21, I think, and uh, we we had it in Mar on Lake Murray this year. Had 25 total nations competing in this event. The biggest event they've ever had. That is absolutely incredible. And, you know, I, I say this is one of the biggest things ever happened in your life. Are you jaded by this? Man, I've won this more than once. This is no big deal. Let's move on to something bigger. Oh, no. You take every uh, every top finish, however you can get the top finishes, whether it's a a club tournament, a buddy tournament, a BFL, a Toyota, a, a, a Bass Pro Tour, and a World Championship. We, you, every one of them spe certainly is special. But it's oh. special to be able to be on a team, uh, compete side-by-side -side with Federal Bannis, my team member, my particular boat team. Uh, Fred and I have a team on the team for the last three competitions and uh, we fish real well together we complement each other uh fred definitely on angler in that boat with with the two of us and uh scott martin barry fish together dudley and wheeler fished for one day and the, the other team was gaglinardi Marquardt. You know, a bunch of bunch of nice guys on this team, without a doubt. It's a, it's got to be a pretty good deal traveling and, and hanging with these guys when when you're not on the water. Uh, how do you and uh, Rubanus get along? We get along great. That's why we fit together. Uh, he, he's a he's a good guy, and, and I got a funny feeling there may have been a laugh or two that could have been heard in your boat. Hey, we've had a laugh or two is correct. There's also a few times where where uh, threatened to punch me in the face. <laughs> oh my goodness, my goodness! Well, you know he. Uh, we just talked to Fred a couple of weeks ago. He's still uh, he's still uh, riding high on that victory that his son came up with. Does he let anybody forget about that, or is he constantly talking about that? He's a proud papa, for sure, about Jackson's. Kayak wins. I don't. I don't blame him. That was special, wasn't it? Yes, it was. All right. When, when you've been doing this since 2017, you said right first time. Yes. How did you get selected? How did you find out you were selected? Explain the whole mechanics of getting on this team to me, please. Well, do you want me to be honest about it? I wouldn't have it any other way. Okay. And and since since we're, since we're not live, if you lie, we'll just cut it out later. So so say whatever you want to say, James Watson. Well, this this is how it goes. Watson's not the best fisherman in the world. James Watson's very fortunate that I'm even on this platform that I fish on, and I hope I never fail and get kicked out off this lead. Um, there's a thousand other better fishermen than me. In 2017, we were at Cumberland Lake for FLW Tour event, and Charlie Evans, you know who Charlie sure. Evans is, uh, one of the greatest advocates for sport bass fishing that we've got in the, in the world. Very knowledgeable guy, great businessman, 
nothing but respect for Carly. Comes up to me at Cumberland at the pre-tournament meeting. Says Watson, he says, I got, I got something I want to present to you. We're, uh, we're standing up at the It's uh, ran by fit-ups. We're trying to make a uh, regular sport in Olympic. We've got the checklist. There's no five-star rate was ever become important in Olympics, but... Wait, hey, James, James, stop right yeah. there. Remember where you're at. I'm having a little... I'm having a technical issue, and I'm going to dial you right back. That's fine. All right. Oh, man, that is so much better. All right, you know where you're at? Go from there. Yeah. Yes, so he said we're going to form a U.S. team, part of FIPS and, and skips, things I don't know. For, but they're, they're world-recognized organizations for sport fishing. Some do fly fishing, some do park, and one category is black bass. Yeah. And he says, I've approached other anglers. They're not the first guy approached, but we'd like to get six to ten guys willing to uh, participate in this event. Um, we don't have any fun. And I'll approach you because you've got a good person. You're a great fisherman. And I know you afford this financially. Would you be willing our team and take help us grow the sport and fish in South Africa this fall be part of the team. And I said, of course, I said, but there are a lot more qualified anglers. Than I've asked other anglers, believe it or not, Jake, I've been, there was a lot of anglers that they weren't willing this. I said, okay, I'll take it from me. I'll take it. He said, good. You're on the team. Excellent. That's how Excellent. Excellent. You know, uh, I, I've got to, I've got to figure in addition to your, your personality, which is, you know, you're, you're one of the, the most entertaining guys on tour uh, and your ability to win, which you have proven in the past. The fact that you are the only U.S. Army drill sergeant to be a professional bass fisherman, and that's a great, great example of the, the, the you know, what our country is all about. And, and I think that, uh, that that's very important that you have that military history that goes with the, the name of James Watson. Well, I appreciate that. And you know what? I take more pride in that fact of, uh, of being prior service and, and being an engineer in the army and, and having a great army career and, and you know, being, being, uh, pushed to the front by some great leaders to say, Watson, you need to, you need to be a drill sergeant. This is a plus mark for your career. You know, I, I was, I had great leadership and great mentorship in the army. And, uh, you know, no matter how bad my fishing is or how good my fishing is, nobody can ever take, uh, my honorable service 
that I had in, in the U.S. Army and the memories I made and the time I spent serving my country there. Absolutely not. You're you're a true American hero, and, and that, that counts for so much. And thank you for your service. Uh, you know, so so important uh, to the to the grand scheme of things. Love the fact that uh, that that you're a veteran and uh, absolutely amazing. I think that that just fits the whole story really, really well. All right, so they got you. They asked you to do this, and and now they're they're flying you all over the globe to fish on water you've never been to, to be in countries you've never even been to before. How odd is that? You know, it, it's got to be odd if Major League Fishing picks out a body of water uh, for a, for an event, for say for a Bass Pro Tour event, and you go, oh man, I've never been there before. It's gonna, I'm gonna do a lot of studying. I gotta get get pick this apart use the, the resources that are available to me to learn this. Now they're going to stick you on some lake you never even heard the name of before. You don't know anybody who's fished there before. How hard is that? Oh, uh, you know, you just, you got to remember you're fishing for a bass. And, and although different places in the country, bass do act differently, but they all generally have the same characteristics of, uh, of, of what time of year it is and what stage that fish may or may not be in is always helpful. The knowledge of just catching bass, you know, that you, you, you go there knowing that you're fishing for a species that you've had a lot of success catching and you, you take that mentality with you. Um, yeah. Unlike, unlike here, there, there, there really wasn't any, any map studying for uh, the ball river. Uh, when we went to Mexico to El Chico or what El Chino, whatever that lake was, I cannot remember it. Um, we got there in our Garmin units. We had to, uh, Fred had to make his own maps with Gar his Garmin units <laughs> as we're as we're fishing along because it didn't have any contour uh, uh, maps for it. So, you know, we we knew we had a huge advantage here being on Lake Murray. One, because it's the United States, and two, because all of us, you know, Anthony Gagliardi lives on Lake Murray. <laughs> all of us, uh, you know, have been to Lake Murray and have fished one or numerous tournaments on Lake New Murray since, uh, you know, in our professional careers. Let me ask you a question. If, uh, you know, and, and I like what you're saying, you know, f fish are fish, and yeah, there, there are differences, but the, at the most basic level, you understand the way they operate and what they do. If we put you to sleep and you woke up in the boat at the South African event and you opened your eyes, would you know you're in a different country or on the water? Does it all look the same? In that, in that situation, no, no, you, you wouldn't have known what country you're in. You know, it, it, the river, um, you know, there it was, it was a rural area. You know, same way with the lake that we fished in Mexico. You saw a few big houses uh, in the landscape, and um, you would have thought maybe you was in the desert or something. It was, you know, but no. And and uh, are the people excited? Did you draw crowds? Were they excited to see you all? Yes, we. we I, I'm not. I'm talking. Crowds. I'm talking here this time in South Carolina. Uh, the the crowd in South Carolina was great. It, uh, but what's funny is the crowd that 
that was drawn in South Africa and the crowd that was drawn in Mexico was even bigger than the one we had at, at Lake Murray. Unbelievable. Hey, James Watson, uh, James Worldwide Watson, as he is known now. Uh, we're going to take a real quick break to let our sponsors have a word. Uh, I'm Steve Sarley. This is We Fish ASA. And we'll be right back with James Watson, world champion bass fisherman. How cool is that? We'll be right back. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts. Meet Aftco's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in Category for Technical Clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry dock for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from Aftco. Learn more at aftco.com overboard. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth, St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Surley. Dave Kranz is not here. He is still remote. We're here with James Watson on We Fish ASA. Don't forget we're brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. James Watson, what's what's next for you? Oh, right now in my immediate future, <laughs> doing a writers conference here on Watson Bar in Chickamauga with Brandon Coulter and and Mark Lazane for uh, Bass Angler Magazine. You know Mark. Sure. Uh, he's going to be here for a couple of days. We're going to grab some content, talk about uh, some different patterns and techniques, get some, get some material stacked up and canned away for articles and videos. Uh, Bass University will be here. And then, uh, and then uh, a few days after that, I'm, I'm home for a few days and then I drive to Texas to fly to Kissimmee. I'm going to uh, commentate for the national pro fishing league on Lake Kissimmee. And then I'll be uh, headed to, uh, headed to uh oh where am i going oh back to texas somewhere somewhere around college station texas to uh fish a general major league fishing general tire cup event with andy montgomery and cody meyer as my partners not bad not bad hey uh, I, I always get off track how do you like this team concept in major league fishing 
I, I love I love team concepts. I mean it it, it it opens everything up for for discussion, you know, and it's strong suit. It, it, it lets one or two of your anglers who are particularly strong or, or competent in that uh, that time of year, for example, you, you kind of let that person go do his thing. My, my, I'm excited because Andy Montgomery's one of the best jig dock skipping guys there is. Cody Myers, one of the most versatile anglers, successful versatile sure. anglers, or sure. And and I get to add a top water fall uh, fall time uh, scenario, which is the you know my career has been based on fall time and fall time wins. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Just coupled with the three of us, I think we're going to do really well, and I'm very excited about it. We're going to mic you up, put headsets on you, and you're going to be able to talk to each other to your two teammates throughout the day live all day long. I, I asked somebody. I asked somebody a few weeks ago about the team concept and and, and you know what guys are going to be talkative and share information with the teammates and whatnot. And I can't remember who I was talking to, but he said, "Man, he said, let's say for example, you got Brian Thrift on your team. Well, he ain't going to tell you nothing, even if he's on your team. He just doesn't." Tell nothing to nobody, and I, I laughed and I said, "Yeah, that sounds like that sounds like Brian." But I got a funny feeling that somebody like you, with your personality, could get anything out of anybody. <laughs> well, I don't know that you can't get that out of Brian Thrift. Not even I, I could accomplish that. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 is exceptionally humorous. Tell me about these guys on the other teams. What do you say? At twenty-one different countries represented. Did you get to, to hang around with any of these guys from the other countries, meet them, do anything? Oh, yes. Yeah, we, we, we met some new guys. We saw some, uh, some old friends, especially the Zimbabwe team and South Africa team, uh, uh, the Canadian team. You know, we saw a lot of familiar uh, faces and friends that we've seen over the last two events that we fished. Uh, and, 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 you know, we... We have a lot of fans. Like, I can speak for Fred and I because we, we we travel together. We spend a lot of time together. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of fans throughout the country and stuff. But it, it's crazy how big of fans all these guys that come over here to fish this event, and, and even when we went to to Mexico and to South Africa, how many of these guys that we're competing against are huge, fanatical fans of ours? It's it, it's crazy. I don't know how many autographs I signed for these for the co- competitors from uh-huh. other countries. Signed their jerseys, and I'm like, you know, uh, I mean, I don't let other people sign my jersey. I got to wear it the rest of the year. You <laughs> know, like these guys, they're like, sign my hat, sign my jersey. It was, it's, it's fun. That that sounds that sounds cool. That sounds real cool. Now, and it's extra special to be on. Well, it's probably not right to say home water, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, you're not you're not leaving the country. Uh, you, you're not going to a country where you have to worry about what you're going to have for dinner. You're going to eat food you've never had before. It, it had to be fairly comfortable getting to sleep in a USA bed. It was very comfortable, and that's funny you said that about the food. When we went to Mexico, it it, it was horrible food. I mean, uh, it, yeah, it was just downright. It, they're they're. I love Mexican food. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. Some of the, the some of their culture, not very. Uh, it does. 
not that I have a sophisticated palate, but some of their cultural food to me was horrible. It was great to them. I think we, on our, our banquet night, they had, uh, I don't know what it was, but it, it, it actually had the skull of the animal that we were eating. It was, it, you know, it was not tasteful. <laughs> Sounds like some good eating to me. Hey, uh, that, that's uh, that's incredible. That's really amazing, amazing to hear um, about doing that. Yeah, I'd, I'd hate to have to travel. And, and I'm sure, like you said, uh, you know, you've had Mexican food before. When you go to a country that you're not familiar with, you know, you're in South Africa. I don't know what the cuisine is there. Were you able to eat well there and find things that you liked and? You bet they they had their accommodations when we went to South Africa was 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 better than and again not knocking Mexico uh, the facilities that we were at in South Africa were pretty plush um, and, and and their buffet was really super good so um, but you know what we had we had great accommodations there in Colombia Lake Murray. Uh, uh, tourism bureau took great care of us, fed us well every night. Uh, Double Tree Hotel, where we were hosted out of, fed us breakfast every morning. We had sn- snacks on the water. I mean, James was happy. I mean, I did not go hungry. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you're you're a little guy, so you can't be a big eater anyway. So maybe that food I, I, maybe that food isn't that important. That's right. Yeah, see, nobody nobody can see you and I, and uh, I, I know I could I could uh, I could uh, not eat for a couple of weeks, and the only thing that get hurt would be the economy. The farmers might might uh, be in trouble if I stopped eating, but uh, but otherwise things things would be okay. So that's uh, that's all right. Is Fred Rumbanis uh, uh, one of your traveling partners or roommates uh, on the road? Uh, yeah, I travel. Uh, uh, I travel a lot with Brandon Coulter and, and Fred Robanis and, and also uh, I'm, I'm, I've been transitioning over to the camping life and I travel a lot with uh, uh, Mike and Stacy McClellan. Oh, okay. Uh, Dave, David Walker and, and, and Brett Hyde. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I tell you what, you, you start getting to the highest level, win a little bit of money, it's, it's different. You remember your early days starting out, I'm sure, uh, I don't. I don't know if you experienced this, but I hear guys talking about them uh, them being in a room with four guys, and uh, uh, Waffle House gets to be gets to be fine dining compared to some of the stuff you, you're eating that you pulled out of a gas station. You know, so it, it's it's rather amazing when you get to the top of the heap like you are. How much better it is for you? Do, do you feel better because of that? Well. I'm a little different than a lot of the anglers. I didn't get in, and I've been bass fishing competitively all my life, but I didn't get into the higher rankings of bass fishing until I was uh, 38 years old. And um, and that, uh, I'm, I've just recently turned 50. So I, I, I and, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bragging by any means, but I, I made sure financially that I could afford to go and lose money bass fishing without hurting myself so you know i've I, I, and trust me i always save a nickel and i've shared a many a room uh with traveling partners shared shared a uh a hotel um we'd never cramp up too much and you know it's funny you would say that about the early days 
I, I tell you, when I got out of the Army, there's two things I promised myself I'd never do again when I got out of the Army. What do you think that is? Wake. Uh, I was going to say wake up at 4.30 in the morning, but you're still doing that to this day. I'm not sure. What What, what is it? Two, two things I said I'd never do again when I got out of the Army. I'd never sleep on the ground again. Okay. And I'll never and I'll never change another tire. Never change another tire. Well, that certainly isn't one of the things I would have thought of. Yeah. That's yep. those are that's a you know changing uh, changing uh, nine sixteen tractor trailer tires and and uh, C tractor tires and Humvee tires and all that stuff. You know that I did as an engineer. I was like, you know what, someday. When I've got enough money and I don't do and I can pay somebody to do it, I'm never changing another tire. And another thing is, I'm never going to sleep on the ground again. I mean, GP medium or GP tiny tent, doesn't matter. Bedroll or no bedroll, I'm not ever sleeping on the ground again. Well, and I don't know how you do that because I know some of the stuff that's down there on the ground where you're sleeping, and I don't know if I could ever actually fall asleep, you know? Between snakes, snakes and scorpions and bugs, my goodness, that's that's horrible. That makes uh, that makes uh, that makes staying in a bad motel with five other fishermen seem like not that bad a deal. That's right. Oh. That's right. All right. You know what? I, you got one of the best personalities in fishing. Your 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 personality is larger than life. Is James Watson a happy man? Are you there? I lost. There you are, Stephen. Sorry. All right. I what said. I said. Is that? is James Watson a happy man? Yes, I am. I. What have I got to complain about? I'm I, a, I live on Table Rock Lake. I got a beautiful home. I got a miniature dachshund that goes almost everywhere with me. Uh, I don't have a lot of debt. I'm building a brand new house for myself right now. It doesn't get any better. Good for you. Good for you. I think that's great. Uh, you know, uh, people don't people don't realize that there, there's more than money involved. There's got to be happy. Uh, there's got to be happiness. And I think most guys that fish professionally are happy. I mean, uh, there's a lot of other things you can do that would be less pleasant in your life, but. You got to be a happy person, and it, it takes more than one thing. Just fishing, fishing by itself doesn't make it happy. There's other circumstances around that make up the whole package, and and I think you're touching all the bases, all the bases for what brings happiness to a fisherman today. And uh, I congratulate you, you on being able to figure that out and do it. You bet. I I uh, I, I make a I make a good living in the fishing world and it's not from tournament winnings you know i'm a happy person i've got i've got some great marketing partners oh uh, black rifle coffee general tire charger boats uh black rain ordnance uh punch cigars i mean I, i've got a lot of good support that uh i make a good living with and my platform allows me to showcase uh, showcase my the product that I'm marketing with my sponsors that 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 pay me so I can pay my bills. I mean it. Life is good. Life is good. Excellent. Excellent. Great explanation. And 
And for everybody listening and, and all, all of you sophisticated northerners are listening, hearing that, uh, that thick southern drawl coming out of the mouth of James Watson from Lampy, Missouri, say, oh, he's just a, a good old country boy. This is one smart son of a gun. Did you hear what he was saying about the sponsors and marketing? And he's got sponsors nobody else had because he figured it out, went out and got them, and he does such a good job. He's going to keep his sponsors for a long time. This is one smart guy, as well as being a lot of fun and a lot of funny. He's a smart guy and a great fisherman. My congratulations to you, James Watson, for winning the Black Bass Fishing World Championship on behalf of USA Bass down at Lake Murray in Columbia, South Carolina, just this past week. Congratulations again, and we'll certainly be talking to you in the future. Thanks for doing this, James Watson. Thank you, and, and thank my teammates, Scott Martin, Scott Canterbury, Mark Rose, Anthony Gagliardi, Jacob Wheeler, David Dudley, and most importantly, Fred Robanis, who figured this whole thing out real quick in practice and absolutely throttled them. Absolutely fantastic. You are a, a, a gentleman and uh, enjoyed talking to you. Have a great, great winter, sir. Thank you, Stephen. You too. Take care. He is the one, the only James Worldwide Watson. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guests, Dan Johnston. Crappies is his subject for today. Keith Combs, he's fishing the classic. He just won a big one that put him in the next year's classic. Congratulations, Keith Combs. And congratulations to James Worldwide Watson. One of the nicest guys in the business, one of the funniest guys around. He's on the USA Bass team that just won the gold medal in the World Championships, which were held in South Carolina. James Watson. I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth, Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. Boy, they sure do. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. You can contact us there. We answer everything we receive. You know, if you like what you hear, let us know. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about or someone we ought to have on the show, let us know that too. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week now. Let's go fishing! I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.